How much does proof matter in a cocktail? We're about to find out with this week's guest, Heather Wibbles. The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey and by Michter's. So Heather is a big part of the group Bourbon Women. And Bourbon Women is actually the most influential bourbon organization on my career. Bourbon Women influenced this book right here. The, my first whiskey book, Whiskey Women, the untold story of how women save bourbon, scotch, and Irish whiskey. And it all started when the founder, Peggy No Stevens, uh, met with me in like a journalistic capacity. I was the journalist. She was telling me what she was up to. And she had uh, this incredible story about women being a part of the industry from a historic concept. And I was looking around and there was not a lot of people uh, talking about women in the, in the industry. And so I decided to dedicate the next two years of my life to uncovering women that uh, no one really knew about, not even the brands knew about. And so this book uh, is, a, is a passion of mine. It is uh, la- layered with uh, all kinds of women uh, like Bessie Williamson from Laphroaig. Um, like um, Marjorie Samuels from uh, Maker's Mark. And uh, the Samuels actually credited me for their mom getting into the Bourbon Hall of Fame. Well, I don't think that's, you know, accurate. I think it's more of her own accomplishments. It was my honor to have the uh, privilege to tell them. So back to Heather. Heather is a big, big uh, personality inside Bourbon Women, and she is. She also took this uh, incredible photo. She's a photographer in the spirit space. She took this great photo for Bourbon Plus, which, you know, I was the founding editor for this great magazine. So she does a great job, and she has a new book coming out called Bourbon is My Comfort Food. Bourbon is My Comfort Food. So you will find uh, a link to pre-buy that on Amazon. Make sure you buy that as a gift. Uh, it's coming out in the, a month after this episode airs, but it's going to be, you're, you're going to love it. It's going to be uh, a great cocktail book. Showcases Bourbon Women, showcases Heather, but I wanted to give this, uh, give you a little sneak peek into what this interview is about. So Heather blind tasted me on uh, what is actually one of my very favorite cocktails. And we have this back and forth about uh, bourbon cocktails. And I let a little secret out about myself. I'm actually not the biggest fan of bourbon cocktails. I'm more of a rum cocktail fan. But take a take a watch or listen however you get this podcast and uh, let me know what you think about how you like your cocktails. Either hit me up on fredminnick.com or write in the comment section, what's your favorite bourbon cocktail? Enjoy this week's interview. People want a great whiskey that isn't like every other whiskey. So nestled in the shadow of Pike's Peak, 291 Colorado whiskey is distilled from grain to barrel to bottle. Exceptional Western whiskey, unlike any other. Passion permeates every sip. Utilizing grains from the Colorado Plains, water collected from Pikes Peak Reservoirs, and finished with Aspen Staves, 291 Colorado Whiskey is an award-winning single barrel and small batch whiskey. Hard made the Colorado way. 
our recipe, our stills, independent and always rugged, refined and rebellious. 291 Colorado Whiskey is proud of its humble roots and excited as we expand to new frontiers. Get your taste of Colorado at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Online orders available or find a bottle near you. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to Michter's.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Stream the biggest movies and TV shows for free on Pluto TV. Watch movies like Titanic and G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra, plus TV shows like CSI and Star Trek The Next Generation. Starting this month, check out the 24-7 Stargate channel exclusively on Pluto TV, plus hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows absolutely free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start watching today. This is about something that lights your fire when nothing else will. This is the Mark Devine Show. This show, we're going to discover and dive in and discuss what makes the world's most inspirational, compassionate, and resilient leaders so courageous. Transform the nature and functioning of our own brain for the better. Go put your virtues in action. Be the best version of yourself. Life is a practice. Day by day, and get wiser and stronger and grow. How do you understand enough about your own mind and psychology and emotions and how you develop a reflective awareness practice to actually get in the driver's seat of your own mind? We go in-depth with people from all walks of life. Martial arts grandmasters, meditative monks, CEOs, military leaders, stoic philosophers, proud survivors, and more. Every episode turns our guests' grants into actionable insights that you can learn from and lead a life filled with compassion and courage. I started putting all these little tools in my pocket, started to reflect a lot and meditate. There has to be a balance between movement and rest. It all starts with us. We cultivate these qualities in ourselves. We become a beacon of light for others in the world. Please join us on the journey. The Mark Divine Show. Hoo-yah. And joining the Fred Minnick Show, my good friend, Heather Wibbles. How are you doing? Doing good today, Fred. Good to see you. You got a new book coming out. I do. It's called Bourbon is My Comfort Food. Ooh, it's good. And of course, you did, you know, I founded this magazine with uh, John Timms, uh, Bourbon Plus. You did the you did the cover photo here. Now, mm-hmm. tell me, you. I knew you as like a professional masseuse and you're like, you broke out of that. and I did. And now you're into authoring and, and writing for magazines. What's... Uh, 
What, what's going on? Well, you know, I when I got involved with Bourbon Women, I loved it so much. I started doing cocktail content for them and mm -hmm. eventually became to be doing cocktail content with all kinds of different brands and different creators. And I loved it so much. I decided, well, it was time to go ahead and make the jump and get into doing bourbon cocktails, or at least bourbon more full time. So that's kind of the transition. I can tell you my clients weren't thrilled about it because they really like my hands, but I'm still making people happy. So it's a yeah. good thing. Yeah, hey, listen, I, I, I love a good massage, uh, you know, but I can imagine that's, that's hard work, you know? It is. And, um, you know, I actually just canceled my massage membership where I was at. What, why'd you yeah. do that? Well, you know, they want to get, uh, you have to make an appointment like three months in advance and all this other <laughs> crap. And I'm like, you know how I am. You're I busy. need it this week, like right now. I, I, yeah. I can't do any of this yeah. uh, like scheduled business. I get it. But you know, if somebody's booked out that far, you know, they're good. It's massage envy. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I didn't feel like we were getting the. No, 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 no. Well, we we're going with the individual practitioners, really, the way to. I, I'm, I, mean, I think, and that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm okay with like getting on a schedule there. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. even still, um, it, you know, I'm a pain in the ass when it comes to scheduling, as you well know. So, mm -hmm. um, but today, you know, we're, we're flipping the switch a little bit on the show. You, uh, you made some cocktails. We're doing a black Manhattan, mm -hmm. which happens to be like one of my, one of my favorite, uh, bourbon related cocktails. Good. I chose a good one then. You didn't know that? No, I had no idea. So yeah, I love a black Manhattan. I love a perfect Manhattan, uh, brown derby. Uh, I'm not the biggest old fashioned fan. I mean, I'm okay with it. Um, big, big fan of like, of really just simple bourbon cocktails yeah. but, I, but i'm more i'm more when it comes to cocktails i'm more of a rum guy you know really yeah so like tiki rum or just like yeah tiki um like a hemingway i just oh, love i love one. a good daiquiri oh yeah and and also i feel like you know when you make uh cocktails with rum you're rewarded when you use really good uh rum I don't feel like you're rewarded when you do it with bourbon. I feel like you're just wasting bourbon in a cocktail. I would have to disagree with you there. Like, so like I would make, I would make a, uh, like with a really nice four square, mm -hmm. I would make the most killer rum punch with that. Mm -hmm. If I were making cocktails and I had Pappy Van Winkle, there's no way I'm using that. Well, no, not high end, super premium. That's what I'm talking about. But I would argue that using a good, a solid bourbon, even a bottle that's 50, 40, 50, $60 will reward you if you're doing a spirit forward cocktail. I'm talking of the elite of the elite. I just no, don't, no. I just don't think that, I don't think like the, the higher end bourbons taste that, that great in a cocktail. You have to be really careful when you match bourbons to a cocktail. I mean, the way I do it is I individually smell all the ingredients. Mm -hmm. I knows them all. I knows the bourbon. I knows everything else together. And that's how I pick a bourbon for a cocktail. Mm -hmm. So what I did for us is I, I knew what base ingredients we were going to use. I've got four Omaro. I've got the bitters are Woodford, Sorghum, and Sassafras bitters. And mm -hmm. also um, Bitterman's Tiki bitters. So some of the cloves, some of those warmer spices. Yep. It's still a little bit chilly outside. Right. And those kind of... Those sort of meld really well with that Amaro, the 4 Amaro, because it has some herbal notes, but it is largely chocolate and coffee notes in there, too. So those, when I picked out the different um, possible bourbons to use, I picked out five and had my husband blind pour three of them into little um, vials that I could use to make the cocktails. And I had... Um, uh, well, do you want to know the ones I picked from, or you want to keep it a complete surprise? Uh, yeah, let's keep let's keep it a surprise, okay. and I'll just like kind of give my thoughts, and then 
we'll go from there. So like, you're kind of flipping the switch on me a little bit, but let's go to like, how did you get into uh, cocktailing? Like, where was your, what was your moment? Um, it was winning the Bourbon Women Not Your Pink Drink Award for the first time. The first time oh. I entered, I won the amateur competition and I won the first year, I won the second year, I won the third year. And the third year, they didn't even give a professional category cocktail because they didn't feel like any of the professional ones really lived up to their expectations. Mm-hmm. So after that, they said, well, hey, can you just come and judge the cocktail contest for us so somebody else can win, some mm-hmm. other people can enter? I said, sure. And that's how I really got it started doing cocktails. And I've always, you know, I started drinking bourbon neat, not in cocktails. So I kind of went backwards from what most people do. Most people start with bourbon and cocktails, right? Because cocktails are the gateway to bourbon. Right. And, you know, getting people from a nice cocktail to a neat pour, that's nirvana. Like if I can talk someone who thinks they really don't like bourbon into sipping it neat to actually, you know, start to appreciate everything that goes on with a great bourbon, that's what I, that's what I consider a success. Yeah, converting people. I, I, I would agree that that's, uh, that, that's a solid, uh, solid strategy. I, um, I'm just like, ah, drink it neat, add water if you want. Maybe I know, ice. but I would, I would argue. I mean, well, no, look. Okay. I, I, I'm not saying like, I'm saying like, I don't have the gift to be able to walk someone through a cocktail. I'm like, either you like it or you don't like it. So like, I mean, when I, I will coach them and everything and I will get someone else to make them a cocktail and, we'll, and we can go from there. But I, I have not been successful in bringing them into my cocktail world. Huh. So. Well. Maybe you should read my book and figure it out. Well, I think that's See, it. See, there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew I'm going to read it. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm down for that. But I, I'm, uh, I, I, it surprises people when they learn that I'm really not much of a, a bourbon cocktail fan. Hmm. There's like three or four I like. Yeah. That's it. Well, I really stick to, I love spirit forward cocktails. Me I too. mean, a great sour is nice, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to play with a high end bourbon, I'm going to use, I do like old fashions, honestly, because there's so many different bitters you can pair with a great old fashioned that you can really pair like the nuance of the bourbon with the particular bitters. So you can bring out some of those. You know what it is? I just don't, I'm not a sugar fan. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I tend to find myself liking drinks that don't have simple syrups in them uh-huh. or are really light on uh on sugar so i think i mean we're kind of having like a therapy session here for my, <laughs> for my cocktail your non-cocktail addiction yeah so um I, I try to stay away from things that are sugar forward that makes sense which is ironic because i love a um uh, i love a sidecar and that's got a sugar rim on it you know it does what surprises me that you say that is rum to me is much sweeter than bourbon and that you like rum cocktails but not bourbon cocktails yeah. that kind of surprises me because rum itself is a spirit i mean it's aged so it has some of those same barrel notes to it but it's very sweet well though the the rums that i like don't have added sugar mm-hmm. uh and so like traditionally you know they shouldn't be adding stuff but mm-hmm. there's a lot of brands that do add um uh sugar and honey and things like that to it and and that's their prerogative. I just, that's just not what I typically like. And, you know, when I wrote my book, Rum Curious, I went down, I went down the path of uh, kind of talking about why they do that and all that other stuff. And it just, you know, to me, great rum um, is good or better than great bourbon and great whiskeys. Hold up. So, yeah. Did you just say that? Yeah. They recorded it. It's on film now. Yeah. No. I, well, I mean, I've said that many times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the uh, a great Barbados rum mm-hmm. is like, I mean, I can make a case that it's the best spirit in the world. Yeah. 
um, a, a really good uh, rum agricole mm-hmm. from Martinique. I can make a case that that's you know that's got a puncher's agricole. chest for bu- puncher's chance for being best rum in the world. Yeah, those so. are so good in punches too and citrus drinks. Yeah, oh. I, mean, I just see I, I love that and it's a it's an exploration to the world spirit and I, I love bourbon but it's a it's a step and repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, you you graduate with with age, and we're starting to get to where bourbon is like a lot of different uh, parts of the country. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it is you know everyone's trying to reach that same kind of like uh, flavor profile. Do you think that's because they all think that flavor profile is what the consumer wants, or do you think because we have some kind of consensus on what the best bourbon should taste like? It's a it's a traditional measure, um, but yeah, I think it is. You know, the consumers consumers push for it Mm -hmm. but it's changing um you know 10 years ago there would not have been a place for a company like spirits of french lake Mm -hmm. today i mean their four grain bourbon is fantastic and it tastes nothing like a kentucky bourbon yeah you know um woodenville out of washington love woodenville is is another great example yeah you know they have a really nice bitter kind of bitter profile to Mm -hmm. them and some like a nut forward uh flavor profile that is so off track of like what Kentucky puts out. You would even question it's bourbon if you were tasting it blind and just only used to Kentucky. Yeah. And people who taste only Kentucky are like, oh, I'll just like me some Kentucky bourbon. They tend to not like these. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And, and and that's that's their prerogative. I happen to love them. I, I think it's great. But my, my, my whole thought is, is that bourbon is so far off from like where rum is. But where it's advanced is, is an organized business structure. Mm-hmm. Rum is a shit show when it comes to like, you know, they can't even define rum. And they can't even agree on what the meaning of rum is across yeah. the country yeah. or across the world. And, you know, in the United States, they've allowed sugar beet, uh, distilled sugar beets to be called rum. Uh, they've allowed uh, distilled sorghum to be called rum. And it's very clear in the guidelines that it has to come from sugar cane. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it, people like to say it's the wild, wild west and rum. It's not. It's 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 an unenforced uh, category. Mm-hmm. But, the, but when you get the right stuff, it's great. It is great. I do love a great rum. Yeah. But I do love r- bourbon better, especially in cocktails. But the way the book all came about, because that's back to your original mm-hmm, question. Right. Uh, Susan Regler and Peggy No Stevens were talking about what we should do for our 10-year anniversary of Bourbon Women. Mm-hmm. Right. At that point, I was the chair of Bourbon Women. And they came to me and said, I think we should do a book. We, and you should do it because mm-hmm. you do cocktails already. We could do it as a celebration of bourbon women and cocktails and sort of as a way to use cocktails for entertaining and cocktails to really, like I said, get more people interested in bourbon. Right. And so they, I think they told me that right in late 2020. Uh, and yeah. you, you produce, we produced the uh, 2020 uh, bourbon women show right here. Exactly. In this room. In and I was on room. that side of the table. That, and it's back when this table was less wobbly. Yeah, it is wobbling now, isn't it? Yeah, it's where yeah. uh, I, I keep saying everyone who comes in here, there's a chance that it'll fall down. They think I'm joking. I mean, I'm actually not. I mean, it could actually collapse any second. You know, if make, it does, we're going to have cocktails all over us. It make for a great film. Yeah. Right? Make for great TV and like podcasting. You'd be viral just like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have the right angle. I need to get the right angle. Yeah. And then start weighing it down from the inside. You could put a webcam in the corner and just, just show it just like this much of it. Yeah. And then a as bad soon idea. as it goes down, you'd have it. Like the desk the desk webcam. <laughs> kind of like they have with the polar bears. <laughs> exactly. You know, on yeah. the zoos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
So you came uh, the idea for the book came uh, came about because uh, of the Bourbon Women Conference. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So okay. the, we were really trying to do something to celebrate 10 years of Bourbon Women. So we have cocktails from all the different branches. Now we have 14 branches across the U.S. I mean, we've got branches from coast to coast now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we also ask the leadership. So there are all kinds of cocktails in there from the leadership from, you know, Past president, current presidents, everybody. Yeah. You know, anybody who, who, anyone who had a leadership role had the opportunity to, you know, send in a cocktail. So all that's in there too. And then, you know, lots of cocktails just by me from what I've made over the past three or four years. Okay. Well, uh, let's go through the process here. All right. And so you want to start with the Nick and Nora first. This is sample A. Okay. Uh, so this is a Nick and Nora. And again, this is a black Manhattan with Foro. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. Here we go. Right Click. Dink. Mm. And one thing I do love about whiskey drinkers is they are so good at evaluating a cocktail in terms yes. of nose. Yeah. Like most people don't understand how to evaluate a cocktail, but you hand it to a whiskey drinker and they're really, they have the tools to evaluate something. We're prone to smelling everything. I know. You pull water up to your face, your coffee, yeah. you're smelling it first. I bring, uh, I bring full plates of food to my nose. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll be at a restaurant, I'm like people will be looking over and like, what the hell is this guy doing? You I want to see exactly what it smells like. And what I what I like about this one is, what I like about a black Manhattan is the Amaro is so bitter and herbal yeah, and anything yeah. like this that it really plays with some of the undertones in a bourbon. You know, I just had a cup of coffee and it's like, this is waking me up more than the coffee. Yeah. Well, this Amaro, 4 Amaro really has a lot of coffee and chocolate notes to it me. It really is nice. Yeah. But I really like that this one has a lot of herbaceousness as well. When you sip this tomorrow, you get a lot of those mm. kind of green notes, kind of almost hay. So I like to evaluate things first by palate, like where it's hitting. Mm-hmm. A lot of bitter notes there on the sides of my mouth. Uh, a lot of spice there coming in the back. Um, and the difference between these three is that the it's a lower proof uh uh, bourbon, right? You got, you got it by different bourbons, like proof and bourbons. Different bourbons. They're all between 95 and 105 proof. Okay. I don't really make Manhattans with super low proof bourbon generally. To me, 80 is low proof. I mean... Well, I mean, 95 here on this show is pretty low proof. Well, I didn't want to bring all your chest hair off, so there you go. <laughs> you know, I actually have no chest hair. Well... So, I mean, you know... You know? My my, my ancestry, we, come, we have no chest hair in my family. Huh. Yeah. Well, maybe it would affect your... That part, yeah. Yeah, might affect that. Can't mess with yeah. the beard. Yeah. But, they, you know, it's funny, like, Whiskey Geeks today, like, they Jay's cast drink stuff all day long. And it's, like, kind of like, I feel like people have burned their palates out. Like, they don't really respect 90, good 90 proof bourbon. And even Bottled and Bond is like, well, I'd like it to be cast drink. I'm like, it's 100 proof, man. That's... I know. It's that's, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. I mean, you can... The problem with cast strength is... It can be so hot. I can't get all of the flavors and all of the notes until I add water. Yeah. I mean, I love high proof whiskey. I love it. But when I put it in a cocktail, I don't really like probably over 110. I probably wouldn't use it in a cocktail. Like Pikesville mm-hmm. Rye. Pikesville is my favorite with these. And I didn't put Pikesville mm-hmm. in the lineup. And Pikesville Rye in a black Manhattan with 4 Morrow is like heaven to me. Okay. But, um, and I did put a little bit of sweet vermouth in it. So some Carpano Antica is in there as well. But, you know, Pikesville is so bold and brash, but it's still so sweet. I feel like I can still really get the notes that I want out of it. But if I'm if I'm trying to, to work with a cocktail, uh, a bourbon and a cocktail, it's like 115, 120. 
that's almost too high, and I almost have to do a split base with that and another bourbon, mm-hmm. just so I get some, just so I have the enough dilution to really get the notes out of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I will say too to the to the high proof stuff is like you can hide a lot of flaws there, mm-hmm. and you put it in a cocktail, and like a uh, like a musty corn note will just show up. I know. You know, so. Like you gotta, you gotta really uh, before you use high proof bourbon, you really gotta see how it plays with uh, with others before you put it in a cocktail. You do. you do, and I don't ever put any bourbon in a cocktail until I taste it, until yeah. I taste it that day, because your palate changes day to day. Absolutely, you're not gonna have the same palate early in the morning as you do four o'clock in the afternoon or on Friday night versus you know Wednesday mm-hmm. afternoon. Or if you smoked a cigarette or ate an onion or... Yeah, absolutely. You know, even your mood, like if you got in an argument with your spouse, like that'll have an impact on your palate. Absolutely. absolutely. Not that I ever argue with my wife. No, I'm sure that never happens. Never happens. Never happens at all. I, at least I don't win. I never really. argue with my husband. No, never. Never. We didn't. I mean, our Hopefully marriage, he won't our watch marriage this. is so perfect. <laughs> no, we, we Should I get you a halo? We can yeah. put a halo on. <laughs> have you both wear a halo? What do you think? Uh, she can, uh, but not me. No, I've got too many things in my life that would not allow it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe more of a fire. A fire and brimstone? More, more of a fire on my feet kind of thing probably mm-hmm. would be more accurate for me. I hope there, hopefully there's bourbon both places, right? By God. I hope so. Yeah. I, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, when we pass that we will get to have a glass of bourbon. You know, I recently had a conversation with my family and I'm like, if I die before you all, I want you all to take my bourbon and I want you to have a bourbon toast at a wake. I don't want, I don't want anything super religious, but I want people to come and tell stories and drink Mm. bourbon and think and just share bourbon together. Even if they don't drink it, if they just kind of smell it and just raise a toast, that's really, that's, I've said, I don't care what else you do, but I want you to have a bourbon toast. You know, it's amazing. You say that I, people, I probably get. 10, and I'm not even kidding, 10 to 20 emails a week or messages from people saying like, hey, so-and-so died and I got their bourbon collection. What's it worth? I'm like, how about you drink it, you yeah. know, uh, or share it with a friend? That's what I would want. I mean, yeah. I would want everyone to enjoy what I have. I don't want to hoard it or sell it or make money off of it. I want you to enjoy it. That's, I mean, that's why I got into cocktails. I mean, I got into cocktails because I was trying to convince my husband to drink bourbon. He was my designated driver for the first probably three or four years I was in Bourbon Women, it was awesome. He would mm-hmm. drop us off. He would come back and pick me and my best friend up, and we didn't have to worry about it. But then he had a cocktail. He had an old-fashioned at the Village Anchor. Oh, it's a great place. Best fried chicken in town. Good fried chicken. And he liked it. He took a sip of mine, and he ordered one. I thought, well, we can do this. So every Friday, we'd have an old-fashioned, and I would fix two with two different bourbons. He would choose which one he liked. So then I made him have to start tasting the bourbons first to decide which one he wanted. So I was kind of leading him into tasting bourbon neat. Then he got into tasting bourbon neat and he's like, screw the cocktail, just give me a pour. So I kept making cocktails and he converted to neat bourbon. And I didn't get any more flack for buying more bourbon bottles. That was the best part. It's amazing, like you were getting the business about that when you should uh, should be pat on the back. You know See? See? Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Now, Jacqueline, she straight up steals my my stuff. Like, you know, I get I get so many packages and unfortunately, people still send them to the house and not the office. And uh, she will just crack them open right there. I was like, Jacqueline, I got to review these things first. Well, she's not going to drink the whole thing before you get it, right? I mean, there's a chance. You, why don't you have her write the reviews? How's her palate? I'm sure it's amazing. She's got a good palate, but she like she's like, you know, we talked about that Kentucky bourbon style. Yeah. 
you know. She has a lot of love for that? She's got probably too much love for that. Yeah. And she loves, uh, there's a couple of house styles she really likes. Mm -hmm. Like she's a Booker's fan through and through. Like she will... She'll cut you for a for a bottle for a great of Booker's, book yeah. yeah, and uh, and then Old Forester nineteen twenty. So I love Old Forester nineteen twenty. Both, oh. both packing some heat, yeah. Uh, both very prominent and like you know fruits and grains. Mm-hmm. So she she's got a she's got a palate for sure. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of the things where you need to be, you need to not have your preference involved. You know, you've got and she's welcome to do reviews if she wants to, but she doesn't. Uh, she comes on the show every now and then and says, "I don't like it." That's about it. Yeah. But, but you, if you're going to be a critic, you've got to, you've got to be able to taste something that you don't personally like and mm-hmm. break it down and give it a, a fair evaluation. Because you have to find, does it have balance? You know, does it have the right kind of notes? Mm-hmm. Does it have good mouthfeel? I mean, for me, when I'm evaluating a bourbon, whether or not it's to drink neat or put in a cocktail, it's got to have a great finish. I don't like short, dry finishes. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like bourbons of many styles can all have a great finish. <clears throat> Absolutely. But I, but I really think that, but I understand what you're saying, that there is an expectation that bourbon will taste a certain way. But for me making cocktails, it's much more interesting when they don't taste the way you expect. And it's for, it's really, this should apply for like all all type styles of whiskeys, all spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a good example. Uh, there is a mesquite, there's a mesquite smoked whiskey that the name is escaping me. Um, that I thought it was, you know, the mesquite just took over and you couldn't really taste much more than that. And so that's, there's the balance isn't there. And then there's this, this whole, uh, trend of, uh, peat coming in American whiskey styles. And there's a distiller in Pennsylvania, Liberty Pole, who's using peat in his rye mm-hmm. and you can still taste the rye. He's got it. He's got the balance down perfectly Yeah, and it's rare, but so like you just got to, and it's not something that I would necessarily want to drink every Tuesday, mm-hmm. but I mean, I have so much admiration and respect for that style and what he's done there that I'm definitely going to throw it in the rotation. But yeah. it's, you know, so, but it's, it wouldn't have been my personal preference until yeah. I tasted it. Well, I just, I really think that whiskey drinkers don't always give cocktails a fair shake. No, we don't. And I also think it's a little bit snobbish to say you can't really consider yourself a whiskey drinker unless you drink it neat. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree Because with if that. I say I'm a gin yeah. drinker or a rum drinker, do you think I'm drinking them neat? No, mm. you think I'm probably drinking martinis and gin and tonics or... Do people say that, stuff? though? Do people say, like, you're not a whiskey drinker unless you drink it neat? There is an undertone in conversations. Like, when I say I do bourbon cocktails, I'm sort of dismissed because I'm not always sipping it neat. And I don't think they understand that in order to make a really good bourbon cocktail, you have to understand the base spirit. You have to do that for any great cocktail. Yeah. You have to understand your elements. And I don't think anyone would come out and say... No, you're not a whiskey drinker because you don't drink it neat. But a lot of people who drink whiskey and cocktails, they don't feel like they can call themselves a whiskey drinker or a bourbon drinker. I'm, like I mean, I'm very, I'm, I'm very blunt about it. Like, I don't like the majority of bourbon cocktails yeah. that are brought forth to me. Yeah. Because I do like, I do like the, um, I like the taste of spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like, I don't like uh, saturation of sugar with mm-hmm. bourbon. I just don't. And that's why I really go toward the Manhattans. Yeah. Um, or like a, or like a, a Lafroy gouache kind of uh, oh. kind of like bourbon drink, oh, you know? Yes. And I, I mean, I that's the kind of stuff I like. Basically, yeah. I'm like, I'll have some spirit upon spirit, just a dash of vermouth, please. Just you know? a t- <laughs> the touch of water. Like if you drank martinis, you would have like the driest of the dry martini with like just a drop of dry vermouth in it. 
that's if a, that. I was going to say that's a well. If that. I mean the mar- whole martini thing. That's that's a. It would be gin, um, and I do I do like a good gin martini. Kind of trying to think of like. Um, do you like the drier gin martinis? Like, do you prefer a higher? I, I like it. I like. Um, yeah, I, I tend to like less of the vermouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to number two. Number two. Like All we're right. having this incredible conversation and we're not even sipping oh, yeah. anything. Okay. I feel like there is a, uh, it's a definitely, like if I go back to the other one, it's a completely mm-hmm. different, it's the same drink, right? But yeah. So this one smells completely that one, different. I get like maple and chocolate. This one, I get more of that herbaceousness. Maybe more citrus. What do you think? Well, it's got like some hibiscus to it. So yeah, and there's a lot of floral. You yeah. said you said herbal. I mean, yeah, that Herbal the herbal's there and floral and. Mm. Oh, that smells so good. Mm. Okay, so the alcohol is a little bit more forward in this one. Mm-hmm. I can definitely take. Uh, I can taste the rawness of the spirit, whereas I feel like it was a little bit more hidden in the first one. Mm-hmm. This one's definitely more bourbon, a spirit forward, yeah. although it could be rye because there are a couple of ryes in here too. Okay. So it could be a bourbon or a rye. There were, I think I had two or three bourbons and two or three ryes. He's got it all over the place here with the stuff. But You uh, know, that's more fun to me. Like when yeah. I am trying to figure out, um, Susan Riegler asked me for a recipe for, um, I think an article on Bourbon Plus or Whiskey. Um, whiskey mag- American Whiskey Magazine. Mm-hmm. And so I made a flight of the same cocktail with six different base spirits, not full cocktails, just half cocktails. Right. And, you know, one was weeded, one was high rye, one was a regular rye, one was a 95 rye. I mean, went through a whole, like, different, just, I don't know, evaluation of the spirits. And it was fascinating how different they were with the exact same ingredients, except for that one thing, the base spirit was the only thing that changed. It was just fascinating because your notes on each one would be slightly different. And honestly, if I do that with a couple of different people, every person will like a different one. Like a couple may say, oh, I like C better. But if I have like three or four people doing it, a couple will like one better, a couple will like a different one better. Right. And, part, and, and I would always, you know, I hear people say, use your bad whiskey for cocktails. If you can taste how bad it is sipping it. Well, I think that's. You're going to taste it in I the cocktail. I think that's. Uh, where I hear that is in the bar scene and restaurant scene where they're trying to like, you know, you know, get rid of product and make money. I don't, I don't hear that for people making stuff at home. I see that in the whiskey groups. Okay. They'll say, I'm going to save it for, I'm not going to drink this. I'll just use it for cocktails. I see that all the time. In whiskey well, you know, when I'm giving Facebook. a bad rating, if I'm trying to be nice, I would say it would make a good, you know, it's probably better in cocktails. Because I think that you can, you can, um, like, I'm going to just find one of the, like, a shitty whiskey on my shelf here and just see if I can just think of, let me find one here. Uh, not that. That side's my, that's my rum side, mostly. Uh, okay, so the Davies County. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't get my best review, did, didn't think much of it, and um, I can see it making a really good cocktail. Uh-huh. And that was, that was, that's not a... That's not a knock on it. I just I, that's probably probably what it's more intended to be. It's uh, ninety six proof. It's um, it's in that price point where mm-hmm. it would be, you know, affordable in the cocktail space. Yeah. But 
but you know would i choose it over woodford reserve mm, probably not yeah woodford does make a damn good cocktail woodford makes a woodford great cocktail. double oaked in this is amazing yeah, Wood, yeah woodford double oak is like i'll sip that neat i'll sip it in cocktails it's so good that's like my uh that's one of my secret pleasures. You well, know, it's not so secret anymore. What's but. surprising about that is Woodford plays so well with fruit notes, even the double oaked as mm-hmm. robust as it is in flavor in like a, like an egg white sour or in a Manhattan with some fruit liqueurs. It's amazing. You can still taste the bourbon and it's a lower proof, right? It's 90.5. Yeah. And it's not a super high proof, but you can still taste the bourbon. And I don't know what magic they do to make that happen. But it is it is solid. That is one of my. I always have that at home to make cocktails with both of them, actually. So yeah. Well, I will. Uh, I will say that we really agree on Woodford. Yep. Yep. And and Old Forester too. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like that's uh, eighty six or one hundred. Yeah, both are good. They're both great. Yeah. Um, but probably my favorite bourbon to make cocktails with is Four Roses. Yellow Which label. One? Yellow, Yellow label. label. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's eighty proof. Yeah. And it's like it tastes it punches far above its proof. I like the small batch better. If we're talking four roses for yeah. cocktails, the small you know, batch I, with spirit I, forward. I love small batch. Um we make a we make whiskey punches. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the big cocktail that we make in the house. That's mm-hmm. uh we'll do a, a black tea punch. Fun. And and like I usually like to use like written house, uh or I'll throw in uh, four roses in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but quite frankly, it is a little bit. I do go around the room and see what I have left in the certain bottles. So I just kind of yeah, make waves inventory. I, you know, we just, I went through, I was missing a bottle I had to do some work with. And it was two bottles of tequila and I couldn't find it anywhere. And we have so many bottles everywhere. They're just lining the house. <clears throat> and I finally just started pulling stuff away from the walls just to figure out where it was. Mm-hmm. And by the time we found it, we found like five bottles that had like two to four inches left in it. So we put those over to the side. So those are what I'm using for cocktail development right now. Because like you said, yeah, there's a limited amount of shelf space. Even when you build more shelves, you still... They're full before you build them. Yeah. They're full before you build them. If you are in this professionally, you are absolutely going to be, um, you know, building more shelves. (laughs) Swimming in whiskey and bourbon and spirits. Yep. It's, yeah, uh, it is the way. And in my case, glassware. I have glasses and boxes all over the house. Just yeah, you know, that's just what happens. Yeah, you you buy these at uh, thrift shops. You said. Yeah, I get most of my glassware at thrift shops because I break them so often. I don't okay. feel bad breaking a fifty cent or two dollar glass. Now the Nick and Nora's, uh, I won those in some kind of competition or something. I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was. Some gi- some giveaway, but yeah, I get most of my stuff just from you know just from the thrift store. Wow. Yeah. That's where, I mean, I get my ascots at like thrift stores, estate sales. Do you really? Stores. Yeah, because, I mean, they don't. Is an ascot a special like shape? Yeah, you'll see it. Yeah. So what's it look like unfolded? I don't, can you do that on your podcast? Are you yeah. allowed to take yeah, it off? Well, okay. I... So, so it's like a long scarf. Yeah, and basically it's a, it's a fat tie on two sides. But it's got pointed ends. Yeah. On each end? Yeah. So huh. it's basically like a fatter tie. And this is wrinkly. Well, you've been wearing so it. So you, well, no, actually it just it got wrinkly when I put it up. But like I had the one part that was not wrinkly hiding mm-hmm. right there. So now, now the whole world knows I have a wrinkly Your ascot. Your wrinkly ascot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer worthy. I don't know what they're going to think of you. I know. And, and, and the sad thing is, is I don't care. 
So it doesn't that. matter. Yeah. They're going to listen to you anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now to, uh, now to glass three. Glass three. As I time my ass out. Yeah, I'm really bummed because I have I have dinner tonight. Like that, I yeah, I, I would be like really enjoying these versus just slightly sipping them if I didn't have. I can a... leave you whichever ones are your favorite little bottles to save yes. for later. We'll do we'll, that. We'll do that. Um, but we, uh, I, I like to sit back and read when I'm drinking cocktails. While you sip. Yeah, I, yeah. I like to, I like to read more with cocktails than I do. Mm -hmm. With uh, bourbon neat. If I do that, I sip them too fast. Oh, reading? If I'm reading, because I'm like, oh, that, that's good, and keep reading. Oh, this looks good. Yeah. Mmm. Oh, boy. Dried fruit, raisin. I was going to say, fruit bomb for me. Yeah, so much fruitiness. And and maybe some chocolateness on the back. Mm. I'm not getting the floral notes that I got. From this middle one at all. And I, I honestly think that if whiskey drinkers made flights of cocktails, they would find it fascinating to parse out the differences between them with the same well, ingredients. Well, you, know? you know, my experience, you got to have someone talented making the cocktails. Not everyone has an award-winning cocktail maker or bartender uh, at their disposal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you but know. But you can have a base cocktail recipe. Hey, I, mean, I mean, really. Then. I mean, okay. So, here. Okay, so, here. Here's the cheat. If you want to know if a whiskey is going to work with your ingredients. Combine your ingredients in a mixing glass and smell them. And hold the, the bourbon glass or a Glencairn full of that bourbon right next to you and smell them together. If they smell good together. They're probably going to work well together. Unless it's a bourbon or a whiskey with a strange mouthfeel. It's going to work. Okay. So, honestly, use your nose. I mean, that's, I use my nose all the time, and I learned to use my nose from drinking whiskey. It just happens to really help when you're making cocktails. I agree. I'm thinking this last one might be lower proof. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I agree, too. I totally agree with of that. Of the three? It's so and much I, sweeter, but I can still taste, I can still taste the bourbon. Yeah. Well. Hmm. My least favorite, and this is the process of a critic, right? You just yeah. get your first one out of the way. Uh, my least favorite coming in number three would be the middle one. Mm -hmm. uh, the middle one has, um, you know, the whiskey in there is is really prominent. So, the, the balance isn't there. Like, it just beat, it beats up the Amaro. Mm -hmm. And um, and the, the oak from it is, is really, really prominent for me. Yeah. And so... It easily comes down to one and three for me. Yep, I would agree. And and one is one reminds me of going out on a date in college where I'm trying to be fancy. Yeah. I can see myself, you know, taking my student loan money and uh, <laughs> trying to impress someone at a at a bar. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> Wearing my turtleneck and my black rim glasses and, and mm -hmm. quoting Dostoevsky mm -hmm. at the at the bar and saying, oh, yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, my philosophy major would come and go with that. And then uh, and then she would see right through me and be like, oh, my God, this guy is an enormous tool. <laughs> you, know? so. you have so much faith in yourself. <laughs> well, that those moves back then were not as good as like the... Uh, uh, 
the more real like that that like that when i was in my whole literary stage and i was like writing um i was like i was more of a satirist and Mm -hmm. and i and like if you're satire if your natural state is comedy you know uh pride and prejudice uh you know uh crime and punishment you know those kinds of uh quoting that kind of stuff and talking about that kind of stuff is it natural to you and so it was more natural that was taking me outside of who i was and so like and then i would find myself getting in rooms with people that i really didn't want to be around Mm -hmm. and i was like these are not my people so you gotta find your family yeah and my family is whiskey yeah we're all a bunch of uh pranksters in a way bunch of weirdos we are strange but you love them and like you know peggy Peggy and I are BFS. I know. And like she would, um, she she would crack a joke on me quicker than you can imagine, and we would both just be on the floor rolling. Yeah. You know, and that's the way it is. Yeah. As I go to back to glass number three. I think my favorite is one because well, so. Glass two, mm-hmm. spirit was too forward. Yep. Glass three, spirit's not enough. Glass one, strikes the perfect balance. I can taste the spirit. Um, I love um, I love the sweetness of it, uh, but it's not overly sweetened. You know, I don't have that sugary feeling on my lips, mm-hmm. and um, and it fills on my palate like a like a whiskey. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with go, uh, with, go with one. one. Yep. I go with number one for the finish and the flavor, but the mouthfeel on number three is my favorite. I think the mouthfeel coats so much better on number three. And if there was someone who was newer to whiskey who kind of preferred a little bit sweeter drink, mm-hmm. so someone who liked a classic Manhattan rather than a perfect Manhattan, I right. think that would be the perfect thing for them. Okay. For someone who liked black Manhattans or perfect Manhattans, this first one that we did had less dryness to so it. So I yeah. fell right into my uh, my usual your comfort zen. zone? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you want to see which one's which? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We'll do the... Uh, I asked him to write this down here with the proof as well, so we'll see. Oh, Allison did that? No, I had my husband do it. Oh, okay. My honey did it. So the first one, <laughs> Rittenhouse 100. What did I say? I, said, I, I know. Was like, I, like, I, I know. Well, you know, it's so funny because it's so similar to Pikesville Rye, which yeah. is my absolute favorite with this one. The one in the middle, I had a Russell's Reserve Rye. Okay. 104 proof. Six so year single old? barrel. Single barrel, yeah. Hmm. And the third one is Old Bard, uh, Old Bardstown bottled and bond. Oh, I have a huge fondness for Old Bardstown bottled and bond and cocktails. Yeah, I think that's it's a that's a good one. Underappreciated. Only, only available in Kentucky. Yeah, I think got them here. Yeah, and I think they changed the bottle recently. The bottle used to be taller. I think it's a little bit shorter now. Might have been. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I have the. I think I have. Do it you in have here. that in, in here? I mean, I don't. The have... one I bought was a little. It didn't have as long of a neck as I was used to. On oh, it. so they. It went more squatty. I I think so, but I you know I don't recycle all of my old bottles. I save a lot of them, but I didn't save that one. Yeah. As you can imagine, I'm not the most organized guy in the world when it comes to my bottles. You do have a lot of bottles and in here. And as much as people try to organize me, it just takes five seconds for me to just completely screw it all up. You just move one thing, don't you? And you break the whole system. <sighs> well, yeah. Well, the thing is, is like people will move things. Mm-hmm. And I won't know about it or I'll, I'll, they'll tell me about it, but it won't, won't really process in my head. And so I have, and then I like, 
then like I have to do a tasting or I have friends over and I'm looking for this one <laughs> bottle of Michter's and like, and I can't find it. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, and it's just that kind of crap. First world problems. It really. It really, really is. Or it's, it, whiskey geek problems. Maybe a, that's a better description yeah. of it. And even further defined, it's like a, um, like a, uh, a critic problem. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when I was in wine. I got way more packages. I got way more stuff. When you were doing wine? Yeah. Yeah. So, I used to be a uh, critic in wine as well. I didn't well. know that. Yeah. A long time ago. Wow. Um, How'd you make the move from wine to whiskey? Uh, well, I How was uh, I was up for um, uh, the Louis Roederer International Wine Writer of the Year mm-hmm. in 2012. And this was the same time I was writing Whiskey Women. And I'm in this room with all these incredible wine personalities and writers and they i'm just I'm like looking around like i just want to be around jimmy russell you know i, I, want, know, to so fred, I want to be around fred no i know and i was just like i you know I, I was like i don't want to be around I, these are great people but i just want to be around whiskey people my people and that was that was my moment whiskey people are, are really like a family i mean it, it, everybody says it and then if you're outside the community you don't really realize that it is and, and i think except for the sales reps they, I know. Well, they, they'll push anything. They beat they beat each other up like. Well, you know that's their business, though, right? That is true. That's yeah. what they do. I mean, that's how they're paid. They get commission. I mean, however mm-hmm. they get their bonuses, that's how they make it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's kind of that was kind of how uh, I came um, I came out of Iraq in 2005, and then uh, started freelancing 2006, and was writing about wine and whiskey at the same time, and mm-hmm. I was doing them pretty equally, but I really made a name for myself in wine, because I took my agricultural background to write about, like, uh, the vines and everything, and, mm-hmm. and it w- that really just took off while, like, bourbon was, like, nobody was covering bourbon, Well, back really. then. Yeah, I mean, there was Chuck Cowdery writing a blog, there was uh, a malt advocate, um, and I started writing for magazine called tasting panel mm-hmm. and uh was basically kentucky bourbon was my beat yeah and that was that was kind of how i got my start and look where you are now like 16 years ago yeah, yeah. that's um, amazing well yeah. you know you're why i joined bourbon women right oh no Did i, I didn't tell you that? that no the first event i went to my best friend and i saw your book was going to be part of a bourbon women panel mm-hmm. at the filson do you remember that event? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So we walk in. Joy Perini hands us a cocktail. May she rest in peace. Like Joy, like the godmother of all, the yeah. grandmother of all whiskey cocktails, hands us a cocktail. We get to talk your about your book, and then Jaretta and Jimmy Russell were there, and yeah. Jimmy was talking, and whenever he said anything wrong, Jaretta would just go like this. And he would correct himself. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were, we'd, we'd never been a part of any event like this. So we were just sitting in the back kind of teeing, and then we're like, this is a really cool group. Yeah. And so, you know, your book really, we joined that night, you know, and that was wow. what, eight years ago? Yeah. So eight years ago. So she and I, we became, she's my bourbon, she's my bourbon plus one, right? So from the very beginning, she and I started, and then I just got more and more involved with it and ended up being chair of the board. So, Yeah. That's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. That's, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, you know, you started the hopefully I'll have a legacy at some point. So, you started my journey as well. Oh. Yeah. It's right here. Oh, don't right cry, Fred. Don't cry. 
That's very nice of you to share that. <laughs> it's true. You can ask Kate. She'll she'll back me up 100%. That's awesome. And what's even funnier is when we left, we were waiting. My husband was my designated driver, remember? Right. So he was coming to the Filson to pick me, pick us up. We're sitting on the steps and this woman sits next to us, this lovely woman covered in tattoos who says she owns a bar in Cincinnati. It was Molly Wellman. Yeah. So we got to meet Molly that night, too. So I felt like that night just kind of cemented that it was going to be a part of my life, you know? Yeah. Gosh. Going back to that time, if you know, bourbon felt so much more, you know, in that time of my life, too. It was like I was trying so hard to make it. And, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, that was that was around the time I was close to, like, giving up. And, and those little events were like, pushed me along to say, I can do this because what I, what I've done, like, I mean, I, I've never worked for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never had insurance. I mean, I granted, I have the VA. Through, know, through Jacqueline, I, right? I, yeah. Well, I have insurance through my wife, but I mean, mm-hmm. I've always had, I have a combat, dis- I have several combat disabilities. Mm-hmm. So I'm picked up by the, the VA, VA as well. uh, for, for my military background. But, you know, I mean, I've, everything I have is like me. Like I haven't had, I haven't done it under like a Brown Foreman or a Heaven Hill or anything like that. And and so it's been, it's been tough. And, you know, I am where I'm now, but I still got a long way to go. You know, I, you got, I mean, from where you were then to where you are now, just in those eight years, I mean, you have to, you have to admit what your accomplishments have been. I have, have a been lot amazing. more gray hair now. I have a lot more gray hair. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about gray hair. Two beautiful little boys. Yes. A little (laughs) bit more gray hair, but we're not going to talk about the gray hair. We're not going to cover that. (laughs) But think about where you are now, right? Think about how much you've accomplished and where you were then versus where you are now. Like, I mean, that has to be... Oh, that's very kind of you. No, but I'm serious. Appreciate I'm not shining you on. I mean, that where you are then and where you are now is a completely different place. And it's been through hard work and whiskey and the whiskey family. Like, whiskey is all about relationships. You've said it. You know, bourbon women always say whiskey is always about relationships. Bourbon mm-hmm. is about relationships. And that's how you, that's how you make it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and some relationships are, you know, you've got the, uh, you've got the uncle that's, uh, you know, shows up drunk to the parties all the time and you have to yeah. take care of him. You got some of those. Everybody's well, got those. Yeah, but, uh, but you're right. It is, it is a lot about that. And, and, you know, this show is about, you know, sharing good drink with, with folks, uh, who are friends or soon to be friends. And you came into my, uh, studio to, to bring some cocktails. So I'm grabbing my favorite. All right. I'm going to do the Cheers, Cheers to you, Heather, and uh, I'm excited for the book. To tell us more about the book and when it's coming out. Sure. So the book is going to be released on May 3rd. So it's available on pre-order on Amazon right now. Okay. So anybody who wants to have a copy, have a copy, buy a copy. Uh, part of the proceeds go directly to Bourbon Women. So it is kind of a two-pronged effort, you know, so we are benefiting Bourbon Women with that as well. So, you know, royalties go there. So we're excited about it. We're really excited. I'm excited about it. I can't believe it's been a year and a half, almost two years since I started. And That's awesome. Yeah. I think one of the things that uh, will set the book apart is really that I talk about how to think about developing a palette for cocktails. Mm-hmm. So each major category of drink, like old fashions, there's a... I call it a cocktail lab. Mm -hmm. So like maybe I'll get a cocktail lab, like a lab coat and like do different bitters and different old fashions or do different herbs and a mint julep. And so talk about how flavor pairings with uh, the elements in a cocktail can bring out different flavors in a bourbon. Because I think anyone who loves bourbon 
will love parsing out flavors and aromas and how things feel in the mouth and the finish. And honestly, I love working with whiskey drinkers and cocktails because number one, they're honest. Like if they don't like something, they straight up tell you. And you can't take it personally because that's just what they think. Yeah. But also, you know, they're able to really completely evaluate something in a way that someone who doesn't drink professionally, I don't know of another way to say that, someone who's not really schooled in how to evaluate a beverage would be able to do. It's almost like culinary training. When you become a whiskey drink, it's kind of like being trained in culinary science. It's true. Uh, I mean, drinks uh, are very much like culinary. The the only difference is like, you know, um, a sandwich won't you know, you don't have to have someone drive you home if you eat a sandwich. And that's the, that's, the, that's the one thing that I've seen about people getting into the profession is that, you know, there's a high burnout rate because people don't respect the, the product. And and everything that you've always been about has been about respecting the product and, mm-hmm. you know, and teaching people to uh, enjoy cocktails the right way. So, cheers yeah. to you, Heather, and what an incredible uh, start to uh, your first book. So, I'm very excited for you. Thank you, Fred. I'm excited too. I can't wait to see what Thank happens you. and where we go from here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Fred. Cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that incredible interview with uh, uh, Heather Wibbles. Uh, again, make sure you're checking her out on all social media. Buy her book early and often. Buy it as a gift for many people. Bourbon is my comfort food. Bourbon is my comfort food. And also give uh, Bourbon Plus uh, a look when you get a chance. That's going to do it for this week's episode, folks. Be safe out there. Remember, no licking handrails, no licking trash cans. And vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers, everybody. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by 291 Colorado Whiskey and by Michter's. For more information about Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com. 